All right, thank you, Carolyn, and good morning. And I uh, hope you had a really, really good Thanksgiving spending time with family and friends, and, uh, and hope, um, hope we all did not uh, overeat, eat too much. And I know that's uh, probably wishful thinking, but uh, it's good to see you this morning, good to see you this morning, good to see you in worship. As Carolyn mentioned, we are, um, this is the last installment in the prayer series, but we're talking about something a little bit different than prayer today, and, um, and we'll, uh, we'll see as we, we go along today. So let me ask a question to kind of get us moving. If I, hypothetically speaking, offered you $50,000, would you give up your absolute favorite food? How many of you would give up your absolute favorite food, whatever that is, for $50,000? Not cryptocurrency, cash, all right? Okay, all right, cool. It's forever? No, it's not forever. It's not forever. So if you ate your favorite food, while you, I, we would have to take the money back. And if you have spent it all, then you just would owe us $50,000, okay? So that's, so, okay, so here's another one. Um, if I offered you $75,000, would you give up all social media for the rest of your life? How many would do that? Okay. You would give up all social media for the rest of your life. Can't go on. You can't go to TikTok. Can't do any of that. Can't go to Instagram. You have to go back to the original way you have pictures in books. Y'all remember that? Pictures in books. All right. Okay, all right. So here's another one. Let's, let's sweeten the pot. $100,000 if you never shopped at Amazon again. Oh, we, oh, okay. <laughs> Got to see a lot of hands. Somebody, oh, oh, I'm about to have a heart attack. I bet right now, I bet right now we could relieve the national debt with the stuff in our carts right now. Add to cart, add to cart, add to cart, all right? So, so I asked that hypothetically, obviously, and um, like, like we are willing to give up something to get more money. But what we're talking about today is giving up something for a period of time for something greater than money for something greater than money. So we're talking about fasting today. It's not something that we typically talk about, not something that you, you hear messages about often. And I believe there are reasons for that. Um, and these are the same reasons that uh, Richard Foster talked about um, when he said that for a period of almost 100 years, between 1861 and 1954, there were no books written on fasting. People hardly ever talked about it, and there are good reasons why that's the case. Well, the first reason is, is that there was an abuse of fasting during the Middle Ages, and there's something called asceticism, Asceticism is simply this, it is giving up pleasures and comforts to somehow achieve a deeper connection with God. Now, what ended up happening, that, that's on the surface, that's a good thing. 
But when you take a look at it a little bit more, the Middle Ages, they began, there were people who um, chained themselves to rocks. There were people who actually stayed out in the elements uh, for long periods of time, literally for long periods of time. There were individuals who ate only grass. And there were individuals who inflicted wounds on themselves to somehow believe that when I do these things, that it somehow gets God to act on my behalf. And so there was an abuse of fasting. And so you're not selling many songs with, hey, let's eat grass only. You're not going to hear it on radio stations, chain yourself to a rock. You're not going to really hear songs. You're not going to see that on a T-shirt, and that's not going to sell per se. So that's one of the reasons. The second reason is that people became um, addicted to good feelings. They became addicted to good feelings, and, and what I mean by that is that we don't want to experience any sacrifice. We don't want to experience any self-denial. That whole thing that Jesus said, deny yourself and take up your cross and follow me, yeah, that's not really something we want to do. And in fact, entire theologies and churches have been formed off of that, the health and wealth and prosperity gospel. If you pray long enough or if you give up something, if you give up a lot of things for God, that somehow God is going to bless you with all kinds of things. And so, um, that it, so, so we saw that people didn't really talk about fasting that much. And yet that's kind of interesting because the Bible is replete. It talks about fasting all the time. It talks about prayer and fasting. So why are we talking about fasting? Number one, not, you know, a few days after Thanksgiving or a couple of days, a few weeks before Christmas. And I thought we were talking about prayer. Well, why are we talking about fasting in the month of prayer? Well, prayer and fasting were like spiritual Siamese twins in the Old Testament, the New Testament, the early church, and we see, period, we see this in Scripture. Here's uh, Nehemiah chapter 1, verse 4. Nehemiah found, uh, got word that the walls were, of Jerusalem were broken down, and this is what he said. This is how he responded. As soon as I heard these words, I sat down and wept and mourned for days, and I continued, here it is, fasting and praying before the God of heaven. So if you do what Katie said, do a, a, a word study, you can go to the Blue Letter Bible, put in pray, uh, praying and fasting or fasting and praying together, and it will show you all the passages where prayer and fasting show up. Here's another, uh, this is just a sampling. Here's Luke chapter f uh, 5, verse 33. And they said to him, these are the religious leaders talking to Jesus, disciples of John, fast often and offer prayers. There it is again. And so do the disciples of the Pharisees, but yours eat and drink. Here's another passage. Again, just a sampling. Acts chapter 13, verse 3. Then after fasting and praying, they laid hands on them and sent them off. That, that is, the church at Antioch saw that Barnabas and Paul were going to go on their first missionary journey. So they laid hands and fasted and prayed. And as they fasted and prayed, they released them into the world to share the gospel. And so we're talking about it because prayer and fasting 
often went together. So the question is, what is fasting? Fasting is this. Fasting is um, it's the voluntary denial, and it's the, uh, the definition is going to be on the screen. The voluntary, it's the voluntary denial of an otherwise normal function, a normal function like food, giving up food for the sake of God for the sake of intense spiritual activity. And so there's this idea that when you and I fast and pray, when we fast, we're targeting something. When we pray, we're targeting something. And, and God is saying, I, I want you to give up something so that you might draw closer to me. It's voluntary. Nobody's making you or me do something like this. Nobody's saying you better fast. God forbid that we would go back to legalism. Legalism is somehow I can do religious duty in order to get points with God. We don't want that. We want to do, we want to fast, we want to pray. It is making room, the worship team led us, it's making room in my heart for God. It's making room in your heart for God to go deeper in your relationship with him. Now, one of the things that we're going to do at the end of this message, we're going to put a, uh, we're going to ask, I'm going to give you an opportunity to ask questions so we can actually um, have an answer, try to answer some of the questions that you might have on this subject that we don't talk about very much. I think it's important to say here, fasting is not magic. That somehow, if I fast, then God will uh, magically give me what I want. Fasting is not dieting. It is not so I'm going to fast so that I can lose a couple of LBs. It, it is not to get stuff from God. It is not to manipulate God. It's not to twist God's arm. And somehow, if I fast long enough, if I give up something really important to me, that somehow God is going to respond to my need. Fasting is really about you and I making a declaration that I am going to depend on God, that I am not dependent on my phone, and I'm not dependent on food, that I'm not dependent on my resources, but there's one person that I am dependent on, and that's God, and he is my source for everything. And so that's, that, is a, that is a different way of looking at it because we pray to get stuff from God and we fast to get stuff from God and we sing and we come to church so that we think, well, I, I think God can see all of the stuff that I'm doing and he might respond to all the stuff that I'm doing. No, that's not the reason we do it. We do it so that we might humble ourselves before God, so that we might say, God, I want more of you. I want to declare to everybody that you are my source. You are my source for living. You are my source for my job. You are, you are truly, truly, my, you are the one who sustains me, not all the other things that I put my trust in. So, so, so we know that, that, um, that fasting is biblical. All through the Old Testament, you have Moses who fasted um, uh, a number of times. You have Daniel who fasted. We have Esther who fasted. We, had, uh, we have Paul who fasted. Jesus fasted 40 days. We had Hannah who fasted while she was waiting for a child. And... Uh, the Ninevites fasted. So there are a number of places in the Old Testament, too many for us to actually name right now. But I do want to drop anchor in a place where one of the teachings of Jesus. 
So if you have, um, uh, have a Bible, and uh, whether you're using your devices or physical Bible, Matthew chapter 6. Matthew chapter 6. And this is um, Matthew 6, 7, or 5, 6, and 7 is what we call the Sermon on the Mount. And the Sermon on the Mount is a great place if you, if you ever wanted to know how can I follow Jesus in some significant areas of life, this is a great sermon to study. It's a great sermon to read. It's a great sermon to begin to apply uh, to your life and my life. And so Jesus, in chapter 6, he talks about giving to the needy. That's the first part, verses 1 through 4. That if you have, you give, as uh, Ben talked away, talked earlier, uh, uh, making room, making room for other people. If you have money, give it away. If you have resources, give it away. Jesus talks about that in the first four verses. And then he gives us an example of the, the Lord's prayer. And, um, and then, or he gives us an example of prayer, talks about prayer, teaches a prayer, and then he gives us the Lord's prayer, which we covered a couple of weeks ago. And then he gets to fasting. Interestingly enough, these are the three things during Lent, that is the time leading up to Easter, these are basically the three things that the early church and early Christians focused on. I'm going to be generous, we're going to pray, and we're going to fast so that we can prepare our hearts to receive afresh the resurrection of Jesus all over again. And so this is what it says. This is what it says. It says, and when you fast. Notice Jesus says, when you fast, not if you fast. Fasting was, at, was even though it was voluntary, it was expected of individuals who were trying to um, make room in their hearts for God. And Jesus said, hey, as my disciples, when you fast, so when you pick out a time and a day and to fast, when you give up food for a period of time, this is how I want you to go about doing that. It says, and when you fast, do not look gloomy, gloomy like the hypocrites. In other words, individuals started fasting and they actually were walking around saying, man, I am so hungry because I'm fasting today. Man, I am like, I am so spiritual because I'm fasting today. And they would let everybody know that they were fasting. And so Jesus' teaching is really a reaction to what the hypocrites were doing, the abuse of fasting, the abuse of praying, the, ab the abuse of giving and being generous. So he says, and when you fast, do not look gloomy like the hypocrites, for they disfigure their faces, I want to kind of like, oh, I'm hungry, oh, I'm so hungry. They disfigure their faces that their fasting may be seen by others. When we do our spiritual duty, or when we, when we, when we accept God's invitation to get to know him better, a lot of the things that he invites us into is secret. I'm, I'm not... You and we're not supposed to, hey, look at what I'm doing. And this is exactly what they were doing, and Jesus reacts to that. 
It says, truly I say to you, they have received their reward. What's their reward? What's their reward? If they, are, if they are practicing their religious duties in front of everybody, what is their reward? What do you think that reward is? Yeah, the praise of people. Bravo. Good job. Man, when I grow up, I want to be just like you because you are so spiritual. That was their reward. So Jesus responds and reacts to it. But when you fast, notice again, not if, but when you fast, look good. That's kind of, that's marvinized a little bit, but that's what Jesus is saying. But when you fast, anoint your head and wash your face that your fasting may not be seen by others. In other words, it's voluntary giving up something for the sake of moving closer to God. You don't have to look like you're doing it because it's secret. And then he gives this part, this last part, that your fasting may not be seen by others, but by your Abba, your Abba Father, who is in secret. Your Father, who is in secret, will reward you. And when he talks about rewards, it's not talking about prosperity. It's not talking necessarily prosperity. You're going to get rich, and you're going to have the car. You're going to have the corner office. It is not that at all. The reward is God himself. God says, I want to give you more of me. You're looking for things, that temporal things that will, uh, that will pass away, but I'm trying to get your heart so that you might get more of me. And so Jesus assumes that his disciples will fast. He assumes that we will fast for the purpose of getting to know him better, to make room in our hearts, to open up our lives so that we might get to know him better. So there, there, um, so during this time, during Jesus' time, people, um, they, the, the hypocrites or religious leaders, they, they, they kind of blared it out that I am fasting. And there's an example of this in, um, in Luke chapter, uh, Luke chapter uh, 14, I believe. Luke chapter, let me get there. This is Luke 14. If you can turn in your Bibles. Uh, um, no, it's not Luke 14. 18, that's right. 18, starting at verse 10. 18, starting at verse 10. And so, Pharisee and a tax collector go up to pray. Two men went up to the temple to pray, one a Pharisee and the other a tax collector. The Pharisee, standing by himself, prayed thus, God, I thank you that I am not like other men, extortioners, unjust, adulterers, or even like this tax collector. Tax collectors were hated during this time. Verse 12, I fast twice a week. Now, this is very interesting because... He is saying a mouthful here. I fast twice a week. Why did he say that? Well, it was believed that Moses fasted twice a week when he went up to get the Ten Commandments on Tuesday and Thursday. I don't know why he picked those days, but those are the days he went up to get the tablets, Tuesday and Thursday. 
and, and everyone wanted to be like Moses. And so what this Pharisee is saying here is, I am just like Moses. And so I'm good. I'm spiritual. That's what he's saying in these verses that, hey, listen, I am just like Moses. I am spiritual. He's, he's sharing what he's doing very publicly. Even though he's talking to God, he's talking loud enough so everyone can hear him. I give tithes uh, of all that I get, but the tax collector standing far off would not even lift up his eyes to heaven, but beat his breast, his chest, saying, God, be merciful to me, a sinner. I tell you, Jesus responds, I tell you, this man, that is the tax collector, went down from his house justified rather than the other, that is the Pharisee. For everyone who exalts himself will be humbled, but the one who humbles himself will be exalted. And the Pharisee exalted himself in this moment, and the tax collector actually humbled himself. Fasting is another way of humbling ourselves before God as well, all right? So why should we fast? Why should we fast? So the first reason is sometimes I believe the Spirit of God calls us to fast. He calls us to a fast. Matthew 4 and 1, then Jesus was led up by the Spirit into the wilderness to be tempted by the devil. And after fasting 40 days and 40 nights, he was hungry. So this passage actually helps us to understand that the Spirit of God, the, the, the Spirit led Jesus into the wilderness to not only be tempted. Jesus is about to start his ministry. And as he's about to start his ministry, he's preparing his heart. He's preparing all that he is to heal and to preach and to all of these things. And so the Spirit of God calls him into the wilderness not only to be tempted, but the Spirit of God calls him into the wilderness to fast as well. And there are times where as, as we are living our lives with Jesus, Spirit of God calls us to a fast. Hey, I want you to give up something so that you mo might go deeper with your Abba Father. I, 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 want you to, I want you to actually give up something so that you might actually pray over your marriage, to pray over your family, to pray over your job. I want you to give up something so that you might pray for your friends who are in trouble. So there are times where the Spirit of God calls us to a fast, and there might be a time where the elders might say, There's, like, like God, is, God is wanting to do something here, so hey, let's call Trinity Church to a fast so that we might pray and ask God to come near to us and us come near to Him. There are individuals who are, who are going to be here this, uh, this Wednesday, and there are individuals who are saying, like, I think I want to fast, not to necessarily get something from God, but to make room in my heart to hear God more clearly. So sometimes we're called to fast by the leading of the Spirit of God. So calling is one. We see um, Ezra calling the entire congregation to fast, and I believe in Ezra 8. It's because he was moved by the Spirit of God to call the entire congregation to fast. 
I think sometimes that we, we actually are called to fast to see what is inside of us that's controlling us that we need to confess and repent of. 1 Samuel chapter 7, verse 6, so they gathered at Mizpah and drew water and poured it out before the Lord and fasted on that day and said there, we have sinned against the Lord. And Samuel evaluated and judged the people of Israel at Mizpah. So sometimes God calls us to fast so that he might call us to confess and repent of some of the things that has control over our lives. Maybe it's fear. And maybe he calls us to fast and say, I'm repenting of that. Maybe it is anger. I'm calling you to repent of that. Maybe it's something else that, that I am calling you to confess before me and say, I'm humbling, God, I'm humbling myself before you. And I recognize that that thing has control over me. If you know that it has control over you, if you cannot give it up. You know that it has control over you if a lot of your waking hours are spent on that thing. You know that it has control over you when it takes the place of God. You know that it has control over you when you're dependent on that rather than God. So sometimes he calls us to. He calls us to fast because something in the way of your relationship with me. Some of you in this room, you know what that is. Something is in the way. Something is blocking our relationship. Something is blocking our fellowship. And so fasting is a way of humbling ourselves before God. Fasting is a way of making room in our lives and our hearts before God for God to say, hey, are you willing to give up that thing? When God called Abraham to offer his son Isaac, Abraham was I think he was struggling with it, but he was willing to give it up. And the question that one writer says, what is your Isaac? What is your Isaac that you're not willing to give up and trust that God will meet you in that place? Trust that God will sustain you if you don't have that thing. So sometimes he calls us to repent of certain things. He calls us to give up certain things. There are moments when, uh, when I have fasted, and one time in particular, um, and I just, I, I wanted to lay my heart bare before God and say, God, what are you saying to me? What are you, what, what is inside of me that's, that's keeping the distance between you and me? And it was like a gut punch to me that, that he said, you are afraid of obscurity. In a world where everyone needs to know who you are, where everyone knows your story, where everyone knows all your, your pictures and all of these things, everyone, everyone knows who you are. And it was as if the Spirit of God just, like, like why you got to do that to me, God? You're afraid of obscurity. What would it look like if nobody knew who you were? 
A friend of mine wrote a blog post this week, and I thought it was absolutely amazing. His name is Claire DeGraff. Claire, he wrote this thing. He says, Marvin, listen, I play whack-a-mole with pride every day. Pride shows up, I whack it down. Pride shows up here, I whack it down. And the title of the blog post was Subtitles. And and, And it struck me that we typically introduce ourselves with subtitles. Hey, my name is Marvin, and I'm the pastor of Trinity Church. Hey, my name is John, and I'm the president of this thing. Hey, I am this person, and there are these subtitles we introduce ourselves with. I wonder if God might be saying, hey, are you willing to give up that subtitle so that you might know me a little bit better? I think a third reason why we should fast is to respond to urgent needs and situations in our lives. Esther chapter 4, verses 16 and 17 is not going to be on the screen. Esther's, Esther's entire group, uh, friend group or family group, the Jews were about to be exterminated. And Esther fasted for three days before she went into the king because she knew if she went into the king unsummoned, she could be killed. Well, you know what Esther said? Esther said, if I die, I die. This is so urgent. So urgent. And so I'm willing to give up something so that I might respond to God a little bit better. And then finally, we, um, we fast to declare our need for God. Listen to uh, Matthew chapter 4, verse 4. This is Jesus being tempted by the, by the devil, but he answered, it is written, man shall not live by bread alone, but by every word that comes from the mouth of God. So, one of the reasons we fast is to declare that I, God, is my source. That I am dependent on God, not my phone. I am dependent on God, not the president. I am dependent on God, not media and social media. I am dependent on God, not my Amazon cart to give me joy. I am dependent on God. That's the reason we fast. It's not to get stuff from God, not to twist his arm, but to declare deep down in our hearts, God, I want more of you. Here's more of my heart. I'm giving, I'm giving up something for a period of time so that I might get to know you a little bit better. So what are some practical instructions before we get to the, the questions? I'd say, I'd say pick a date. Pick a day in a week. It doesn't have to be on Tuesday or Thursday. It can be any day of the week. Uh, pick a day and then um, pick a time, period of time. I say start small. Pick a time, whether you, the, the time you get up to lunchtime or from lunchtime after, uh, after lunch um, until you go to bed, just pick a time and just say, this is what I'm targeting. And then pick something. If the Spirit of God has revealed something to you, this is what I'm praying about. God, show me how this is blocking you and uh, your and my relationship. Those are some practical things that you and I can, uh, can, can do. Again, we can choose food and 
we can choose other things by, uh, from which to fast. But those are, those are some practical things, and I believe, I believe we'll probably talk about some more as we get some of the questions. So, um, so you can text the number to, uh, text your question to this number, text your fasting questions to 517-224-4141. And while we are waiting for you, if you're, if you're going to uh, send a question in, um, while we're waiting on the question to show up on the screen, do you have one that we can, you can ask right now before questions start uh, po- uh, populating on the screen? Question that you might have about fasting, about what we talked about today before questions begin to populate on the screen. I'm, yes, absolutely, you can have water. So some people say, I'm going to, uh, I'm going to not eat for a period of time and just simply uh, drink water. Some people do green tea. Uh, other people do you know, just simply uh, black coffee during that time, but I'm not going to eat during that time. And the moment you start feeling the hunger pains, there are two things that I would invite you to do. Number one is remember the excruciating pain that Jesus went through. That the hunger that I'm feeling now can't compare to the pain that he went through to actually save us. So that's the first thing. It's to focus on Jesus and what he did for us. The second thing is, when you feel the hunger pains, that's an opportunity to say, I am going to spend these next few moments praying. And so, well, Marvin, does, the, does praying stop the hunger? No, it doesn't. Not necessarily, but what it does, it, take, it takes your focus off the hunger and places our focus on God. So, so that is, those are, those are two practical things. When the hunger comes, those are a couple of things to to focus on. Yes. How do you break a fast well? That's a really, really good question, Phil. How do you break a fast well? So if you're doing a, um, you know, a, a small chunk of time from morning to afternoon, or you're doing a whole day fast, or you're doing a three-day fast, obviously you want to check with your, your physician, your doctor. And when you're coming off the fast, you are not eating five guys' burgers and fries coming off the fast. You are eating something a little lighter, whether it's soup or whether it's a yogurt, something lighter. And as you break the fast, thank God for the fast. Thank God. It's like the, the, the thing that, that I've, I've had a tendency to do sometimes is when I'm breaking the fast, I can't wait to break the fast so I can eat. And I miss thanking God for what he's revealed, and I miss thanking God for him sustaining me during the fast. So breaking the fast, um, light food, as well as thanking God as you go off the fast. All right, so should I fast on a regular rhythm or just when needed? That uh, Yes and yes. Um, I would say that if Jesus says, when you fast, I think fasting should be a regular part of our spiritual habits. Should be a regular part of our spiritual habits. And then if there's something intense that is about to happen or you're in the throes of something intense, 
that might be a good time to fast as well. Esther gives us an example of that. Her entire, uh, the entire Jewish people were about to be exterminated. And she called for a fast, or she decided to fast during that time to, to hear God, to draw close to God, and even for God to respond. Now, there's nothing wrong with um, asking God to respond to a certain situation. But the thing is that we're not fasting for the purpose of twisting God's arm to do what I tell him to do. Okay, does that make sense? All right. Another question, how do you keep it secret if someone at work asks why you're not eating? That's a really good question. Or is it okay to talk about it then? What is a humble way to explain what you're doing? That's a really, really, really good question. Um, the point of Jesus' teaching was fasting and praying and giving to be seen. That was the original, that was, that's what the hypocrites were doing. Now, the way you can explain this is, hey, listen, part of, I, I'm a follower of Jesus. And I, I, I don't expect people to understand, but I, I fast periodically. And I'm fasting so that I might um, go deeper in my relationship with God. You got to say anything more than that. You don't have to, like, and they'll, what they'll begin to do, they'll begin to ask questions. And as they begin to ask questions, you can talk about who Jesus is and what he's done. And so that's the way I would approach that, unless somebody else has another way that they've done it in the past that, that's a little, um, you know, again, it's, it's, it's more inconspicuous. But I think, I think being honest without being showy is another way, is a way to humbly approach that. All right, so let's, let's, do, let's do one more. What do you recommend doing if you find yourself not knowing what to do while you're fasting? So what do you, what do you recommend doing if you find yourself not knowing what to do while you're fasting? So, so here, here's the deal. Go on with your regular life while you fast. It, go on with work and go on with, with your regular job and your regular things and, and um, spend time, um, you can spend time as you're working praying. Again, you don't have to go to a place. Remember, you don't have to go to a certain place to pray. You can pray while you work. Paul says pray without ceasing. So while you're working, um, while you're working out, while you're walking, as Carolyn mentioned earlier, you can pray while you are fasting. Hope that makes sense, and I hope that uh, answers that question. And now, what we're going to do? We're going to we're going to we're going to we're going to sing this song. We're going to worship together. We're going to declare that He is the one who sustains us. He sustains us in the desert. He sustains us while we, uh, while we fast. He sustains us while we pray. He is the one who sustains us as we draw closer to him. And Ben and the team, will uh, they're going to lead us now. And so just posture your heart in a way to say, God, I want more of you. I want you to sustain me in this season. And um, 
And I think he will meet us. Not I think, I know he will meet us right where we are. Yeah, as we get set up, thank you, Pastor Marvin. Yeah, um, this song is um, called Bread of Life. It's, a, it's an original song that we wrote, Andrew and I wrote. Um, it was originally meant for a communion song. Uh, but then as Pastor Marvin was talking about um, fasting, and then even just those, the, why do we fast? Um, this will just give us an opportunity to do a couple of those things on those lists. One is, what is your Isaac? Um, to just reflect, what is the thing that he might be calling you to fast from um, this week? And to reflect on that. And then the second thing is, it just declares our dependence on God. It really is a prayer that says, sustain me, bread of life. It's you, Lord, that satisfies.
This is what we desire. We desire for him to sustain us. Not, not the stuff of life, um, not, not our phones and not media and not politics. We want God to sustain us. We want to know at the end of the day, he's our source, our source for joy, our source of life, our source of delight. He is, in fact, our source. There's no one who can satisfy like he can. And that's what we desire more than anything. Now, we can stand. We can get ready to, get ready to go. Um, there are, in the Bible, there are individual fasts. And then there are corporate fasts. So individuals fasted, like Jesus and Moses and Daniel. And then there are corporate fasts, where entire groups of people fasted together for a particular reason. And, um, and we invite you. We invite you as, as a corporate body to two things. And, and you might hear this. The reason why we are talking about this, you might hear this down the road that the elders might call for a fast for this reason. And you can say, oh, we talked about that. That makes sense. 
two reasons. The first one is this, is that we would become a disciple-making church, that we would know what it means to be a disciple and that we would give our lives to disciple other people. That, that, that when you pray, whenever you fast, I'm assuming, Jesus is assuming we will fast. Whenever you fast, whether it's a half day, whether it's a whole day, whether it's three days, on your prayer list, close to the top when you pray for your church, God, would you make Trinity Church a disciple-making church that every single person who calls Trinity home would know what it means to disciple and be disciples. So that's the first thing. I think we can pray that prayer together. We can fast for that reason, that, the, that this church would draw closer to God through disciple-making. Secondly, you heard a little bit about this um, a few months ago, but it's, it's, it's coming, and you're going to hear more about it, and that is the, um, the, childhood, or the, um, the, the childhood education uh, program here at Trinity, the TED Center, that, that um, there's a dearth in this area, and we want to be a blessing to this city. And one of the ways we can do that is that Trinity Church has, um, has resources to become um, an early childhood education center where we bless this community in a way that I believe honors him and for people to know that this church is more than just gathering on a Sunday morning, but it really does care about families and children in this area. You're going to hear more about that, but just on your list, just on your list when you pray and when you fast, fast and pray, just put Ted Center. That's all. God knows what it is, Ted Center, and, and let's give God um, those, at least those two things corporately. You can fast individually, but you can also fast corporately, all right? Let me pray for us. So God, thank you for giving us this beautiful gift, um, this beautiful habit fasting, and um, it's not to get stuff from you, but man, we want to know you better. We want to know you more. We want to know that you truly are the sustainer of our lives. We don't want to hear about it from somebody else. We don't want to just read about it. We want to know experientially that you have sustained us. And so God, thank you. We pray that as we go about our lives this week, as there are individuals in this room that choose to fast and pray targeted prayers, we pray that you would sustain them, sustain us, make us a church that, um, that is a disciple-making church. We see disciples everywhere here. And then we already in advance, we're asking for your blessing for um, the TED Center, volunteers and families and everything, resources, everything we need. And we're not twisting your arm, but we're humbling ourselves before you and because we truly want to be a blessing to this area. We pray this in Jesus' name, amen. If you want someone to pray with you, our elders and prayer team members will be down front to pray with you and pray for you. God bless you and have a great week.